Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his teaching in Galatians chapter five, called The Fruit of the Spirit. So this idea of fruit bearing is directly connected to our abiding in the Lord, staying close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the challenge that we have with the flesh, because the flesh doesn't want to do the things of the spirit. Sometimes the flesh has to be dragged kicking and screaming to the things of God, to our Bibles, to prayer, to worship. The list of nine fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, I mentioned it's not exhaustive, but let me just give you another couple of examples of what would be fruit in your lives. Fruit could be worship, the fruit of my lips giving thanks to his name. Fruit can be giving, we give the first fruits that God gives to us. Fruit can be leading people to Christ. There's converts from Asia that are called the first fruits Fruit can be benevolence. It can be many other things connected to the ways of God. When we worship, when we give, when we lead others to Christ. And even in Philippians 1.22, Paul talked about the fruit of his labor there that he was to remain on and to have the fruit of his labor. And that fruit had to do with making disciples for those who were in Philippi and other churches that Paul had planted or ministered to. So the different ways to be fruit-bearing have to do with the ways of God or the things of God. As I give myself to the things of God, I'm going to be a fruitful person. I'm going to bear fruit. Isaiah 27, 6 says, In the days to come, Jacob will take root. He speaks of Israel here. Israel will blossom and sprout. They will fill the whole world with fruit. Isaiah 27, Verse 6, interestingly enough, the land of Israel that was barren at one time was literally underwater in many places, has, be, has blossomed again. I think right now they are the third uh, major exporter of fruits and vegetables to the whole world. Israel, which in some people's lifetimes and uh, in many of our lifetimes, that's when they became a nation again, it was barren. And in 1948, they became a nation again. In 67, they took Jerusalem back again. And now they are blossoming again. If you want to read Ezekiel 36, you can see how a prophecy is spoken in the last days, how the land will blossom again. That land becomes a picture of the church's life, if you will. How God can take barrenness. You know, many of us came from brokenness and barrenness And there's so many faith stories represented in the people that are watching right now where God took you from brokenness and things that were barren, unfruitful, and has caused you to blossom. And you have been now uh, ministering to other people and blessing them in your life. I want to give you one example as we set the table here for this uh, particular teaching. And it's in Genesis 49, first book of your Bible, Genesis 49. And I want to show you just quickly, this is a prophecy that Jacob... Uh, speaks over his family, and he is referring to Joseph here. This is Genesis 49, all the way at the end of Genesis, verse 22. He's been going through the different family members and speaking prophecy over them, and here's what he says of Joseph. And if you remember Joseph's story, 
Joseph was favored by his dad, sold into slavery, had many bumps and bruises, and then he became fruitful again uh, at the end of his life and, of course, even in the middle of his life. And uh, Jacob prophesies over him and says, Joseph, Genesis 49:22 is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attacked him. Joseph had some tough times and shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained firm and his arms were agile from the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From the God of your father who helps you and by the almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessing of your father, uh, blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Joseph had his bumps and bruises, and maybe you're in a season where it's been a little bit difficulty, but you could be coming into a season of fruitfulness because God often used uses barren times and hard times to lead us into times of fruit. Let's turn back to Galatians chapter 5. Now, you might be asking, well, what is this fruit of my life? What, what should I be looking for? Well, I think one of the things that we should be praying is that we be filled with the Spirit and we would be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And these fruits are actually uh, in a singular form. Some would say this is a bouquet because it's a collective word, and it's in Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and it starts with love, and it ends with self-control. I was reading a commentary this week, and you know the temptation of every, every pastor is to break down each and every fruit, and I'm not sure that that's what you need necessarily or what I need. Uh, so we'll kind of take a helicopter view of each of the fruits, but let me just say to you that the preeminent fruit Many scholars would say from which all other fruits flow is love. You could say that Christ is the foundation, the Spirit is the uh, the trunk of the tree, and the preeminent fruit that's going to come out is love. It's the main branch, if you will, from which all other fruits flow or are connected. And we can see this in a few verses in Galatians 5. Take a peek in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, note it, but faith working through love. Skip down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. The last fruit of the Spirit in this list is self-control, and some scholars believe that that should get our attention in that it's the last thing in the list. And maybe you could think of it this way. The fruits are uh, divided or they're bookended by love and self-control. Each of the fruits are what God is. So God is love. Several passages in 1 John say that. God is love. So we would expect that one of the main fruits that will come from your life, if you are abiding 
in God, his spirit has preeminence in your life is the fruit of love. Let me just ask you right now, is that coming out of your life? Are you known by love? If someone were to be asked, one of your neighbors, one of your close family members, a person who works with you, what, how, what fruit would best describe so-and-so? Hopefully love or loving is going to be somewhere in there. Hopefully self-control is going to be somewhere in, in there. Maybe it's patience. You, you might be more known by one fruit than another fruit, but the preeminent fruit is love. Is that coming out of your life? And how does the Bible define love? Love is sacrificial. Love is self-giving. Each of these fruits means that you've crucified the flesh. And if you think about the list of the fleshly things, they have to do all with self. So the the fruits of the flesh are a uh, consumer mentality that what I want in my life is self, 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 and more self. I want to be able to do what I want to do. And if I don't get my way, I'll have an outburst of anger. And I'm going to be out of control. And maybe for some of you, you could say, you know, when when someone walks into the garden of God, uh, maybe I'm one of those trees that's a mystery from one day to the next. We don't want to be that, right? We don't want to, you know, have people walk up to us and one day we're bearing fruit and the next day, you know, they don't know what they're going to get from us. But this is the battle. And the more we give reign to the Holy Spirit in our lives, the more we get into our Bibles, the more we worship, the more we pray, the more we're about the things of God, the more fruit is going to come out of our lives. It's just simply that that plain, that simple. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. The last fruit is self-control. Think of these as bookends. Think of these as ways that you could quickly identify, you know, what's going on in your life. Let's just spend a little time with the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And by the way, let me just mention that you can see the the word fruit is singular. Karpos is the Greek word if you're interested, K-A-R-P-O-S. And uh, this particular word here in this setting has to do with that which the Holy Spirit generates. It's the fruit, notice, of the Spirit. And the word love is agape. Harpas, the Greek word for fruit, is the fruit of trees, vines, and fields. The fruit of the loins, it could even speak of. It's what originates or comes from something. It's the effect or result or work here of the Holy Spirit. Fruit is in the singular and may indicate that the fruit is unitary, says one writer, Or it may be a collective noun. I heard another pastor say we could think of it as a bouquet of fruit. And so it's all interconnected one to another. For example, joy, you could say, is love singing. It's love praising. It's love exuding. You could say that kindness is love's touch. That's why love could be the main branch and everything else flows from it. It's the love of God moving through our lives. It's us knowing that we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. If we are void of that fruit, we got to go back to the root. we got to ask ourselves if we're in the faith or if we're walking in the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, and they will know us by our love. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lentz, right here on Walk in Truth. So it's all interconnected one to another. For example, joy, you could say, is love singing. It's love praising. It's love exuding. You could say that kindness is love's touch. That's why love could be the main branch and everything else flows from it. It's the love of God moving through our lives. It's us knowing that we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. If we are void of that fruit, we got to go back to the root. we got to ask ourselves if we're in the faith or if we're walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And they will know us by our love. In John 13, Jesus uh, did something that is so amazing that I want to park here for a few moments. And as we define words, let me try to at least illustrate a few of them. And let me illustrate love in the person of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, We are to take up our cross and follow him. So there's a connection between that sacrifice and how we are to walk out our lives. In John 13, we don't have to turn there because I think you're familiar with it. Jesus stooped down and washed the disciples' feet. In a previous men's Bible study just in the last uh, week and a half or so, we studied John 13 in, in depth. And Jesus took the place of the lowest slave and he began to wash each of the disciples' feet. I told the guys a story from a men's retreat some years ago. Our beloved uh, Paul Hicks had an idea of a literal foot washing at a men's retreat. We had rented a home in Big Bear, and there was probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 guys up there. And we made a literal foot washing, one of the things that we would do. And I have to tell you that it was a bit uncomfortable, to say the least, to have another man wash your feet. It was... uh, 
It was something where you had to take on some humility, even in a willingness to do so. And I remember some highlights from that retreat. It was, it was some years back, but I remember Paul coming to me and washing my feet. And you know, the way Paul is, Paul would even kiss your feet. And he was crying as he was washing people's feet. And uh, some people were a little hesitant. And some people said, I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> I'd rather you not do that. Do you know that Peter... When the Lord came to him to wash his feet, Peter said, no, you will never wash my feet, Lord. And the Lord said, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Now, that washing of the feet was symbolic of what Jesus was about to do the next day on the cross. He was giving an image of how he had come down out of heaven, set aside the prerogatives of deity for a season, if you will, all the not all of them, but some of the prerogatives of deity. For example, he got tired and God doesn't sleep. He had to walk around. You, you get what I'm saying. And that act of, you know, setting aside his outer garment, taking the basin, washing their feet. And amazingly, uh, as he washed each of the feet of the disciples, he also washed the feet of Judas. And it, this wasn't a prepared moment in this Bible study, but it just hit me. Could you... Wash the, the feet of your worst enemy. It's tough enough going back to that men's retreat just to think about washing the feet of someone that you love, someone that you know, someone who has worn tennis shoes instead of open-toed sandals on dirty streets in Jerusalem. But could you do it if the man or the woman was your worst enemy? What if they unlaced their high tops and the expectation is that you would wash their feet? Would you do it? Would you do it knowing that they were going to turn around the next day or the next few hours and, and bite you in the back and turn on you and betray you? Jesus said, what credit, it, credit is it to you if you only love those who love you? That's what everybody does, paraphrase. Even the pagans do that. But I tell you, Love your enemies. You know, whatever Jesus said, he actually practiced. And here he was loving a man who had made himself Jesus' enemy. That's not, I don't think we would argue, that's not what Jesus wanted for him. But he made himself God's enemy. See, if we're going to come into a season of fruitfulness, brethren, let us love the way God loves. You see, the fruits I'm talking about, the fruits that the Bible's laying before us are not the things that the average person can just produce. You love me, I'll love you back. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We've been called to love one another and to love just as I loved you, John 13, 34, 35. So you should love one another. And again, he shares that in the upper room discourse right after the foot washing, right before he's going to die for them. And some of you take a deep gasp right now and say, impossible. Amen. I feel you. This sort of love in and of myself, I can't do it. I can't produce it. But Christ living through me, if I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20, but Christ who lives in me and through me, now this fruit comes. 
example, our author. He hated the church. He was on a mission to destroy God's people. He got the letters from the chief priests on his way, uh, doing his share of damage, voting against Stephen so that he might die. What does the man do later in his life? He gets beat up in Jerusalem by his own people. The Roman soldiers have to take him up some stairs just to keep him from being killed. And he asks, can I speak to the people? And he begins to share his story. After he's been brutalized by the mob, he begins to share the story. And he says, I was just like you. I made it my mission to destroy this movement. But I was on the road to Damascus and a bright light shone. And you know the story. I got knocked off my high horse. I heard a voice and it was the voice of Jesus. And he commissioned me to bear fruit. What if Saul would have died without that conversion? What would the fruit of his life have been? Think about if Christ didn't intervene in your life, if you hadn't seen the light, so to speak, if you hadn't been converted to the faith. Now you could say, well, I could have still lived a good, fruitful, positive life in one sense. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe you could produce some, some things, but you never would produce things that have eternal value. You can't. Because apart from Christ, you can do nothing. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is about. It's about the life of God using an individual as broken as we can be, as sinful as we can be, as fickle as we can be, planting us as oaks of righteousness and saying, now you are going to bear fruit unto me. It's not going to be about you and your kingdom anymore. It's not going to be about you and your flesh anymore. It's going to be about me and my kingdom. It's amazing what God can do through a life. Love is the key. You've been listening to The Fruit of the Spirit, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, 22 through 24. And if you'd like to watch the video of this teaching, which also includes a time of worship, you can subscribe to the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Church. Or... Just find us on your YouTube app. Also, for you parents with young children, while you're on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel, check out our LT Kids Lunch Break Minisodes. Our children's ministries have created little Bible study videos for the kids. So if you're looking for something else productive for your kids to do, and I know I am, this could help. Again, you'll find the LT Kids Lunch Break on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, I'd like you to picture in your mind for a second a couple of trees, and you can go to Psalm chapter 1 to really get this picture. There's a tree that's flourishing, a tree that is producing fruit. It is really abundant in its uh, crop. And then another tree that has withered and died. This is the example of two trees, and one that is alive in Christ and one that is not. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Now, the question we ask for a largely Christian uh, listening family is, how do I cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Well, cultivation is a great word because it goes with the illustration of a tree. And whenever you plant something, you know, cultivation is key. It's soil preparation. It's sun. It's uh, sunlight, water. It's uh, even pruning back that tree so it produces more fruit. It's caretaking. 
And the caretaking of your heart is such a key thing to producing the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus gave the uh, parable of the, of the soils or the sower, he compared our hearts to soil. If the soil is good, it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what we all want. We want to produce fruit. And Jesus said, you can produce fruit when you abide in the vine. That's the key. That's the metaphor. And that just simply means staying close to the Lord, staying in fellowship, staying in your Bible, uh, keeping worship music going in your car, uh, keeping sermons in your ears, staying uh, on, on, on the path every single day. That's the key and that's how you cultivate fruit in your life. Hey, if we can pray for you or um, in any way minister, you, minister to you, if you have something that you want to share about how the program has been a blessing to you, we would love for you to email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. We would love to hear from you, love to hear about you know how the program's blessing you, your uh, experience in terms of worship, and uh, just kind of where you're at and how we can pray for you. You can also give to us by mailing us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. One more time, Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. A big shout out to all of you who are partnering with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for those of you who pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing and keep walking in the spirit. We'll see you tomorrow on the broadcast. And come back tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5 called The Fruit of the Spirit. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.